From the mountains to the coast, create memories, meet new people, and find your favorite wine, mead, or cider in NC. Download the NC Wine app or visit ncwine.org to plan your trip to North Carolina wine country today. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Matt with the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to a special holiday episode of Cork Talk. In this episode, we sit down with our fellow blogger and influencer friends to talk about a few of our favorite things. It was a lively conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. Wine Class with the Wine Mouths is back. This time, Jesse and Jessica talked to us about Britannomyces. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. So it's the holiday edition of Cork Talk, and we're here with a bunch of our friends. And we're going to be talking today about some of our favorite things with North Carolina wine within the last year. So let's go around the room and let everyone introduce themselves and tell everyone who you are, and then we'll get into the conversation. So let's start with Lauren. Hi, everyone. I'm DeLauren. I own Blends and Bubbly. We do um, wine tasting experiences and workshops. And then also this year, we launched the Bubbly Boutique, where we sell all of your wine essentials, pure crystal glassware, and everything you need to host a wine tasting party. Awesome. Nice to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows about them? (laughs) Jesse Jessica, welcome back. Thanks. Be familiar today. familiar voices to the for those listeners. Yeah. Um, but I'm Jessica and I'm Jesse, and we together collectively go by the wine mouths. And we have been around for a long time, but we've evolved over the years from we wanted to be bloggers, we wanted to do different things. But now we're primarily wine educators and we have a segment on the podcast here. But we also teach two classes through Davidson Davy Community College in the spring and fall. Um, and drink a lot of wine together. <laughs> That's the important thing. That's the yes. thing. And it's good to have you both in person. <laughs> Doing a drum roll now for our next guest. <laughs> Although he needs no introduction. The knight in shining armor. Thank you, Joe. My name is Arthur Barham. I'm the creator of Merlot, the Muscadine media dedicated to promoting North Carolina vineyards and wineries. I'm a new. You guys have been doing this much longer than me, but I'm excited to be here. And for the record, Arthur is not the only one wearing a bow tie today. So. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I'm Natalie Hampton. Thanks for having me here today. I'm the creator of the Tar Heel Taps and Corks blog, and I write about North Carolina beer and wine. It's all inclusive. Yes. <laughs> So I think we have a little bit of a kind of structured conversation that we're going to go for today, talking about our favorite things. But we also do have a mystery wine for the first half and a mystery wine for the second half. And we'll go ahead and pour the first wine in a little bit here and kind of talk through it while we're, uh, you know, talking of our favorite things. And then before we break for the first half, we will see if we can figure out what that wine is. And for the record, Matt's the only one that knows what the wine is so mm-hmm. far. It's in a green wrapped bag. And... <laughs> We know it's a white wine. That's all we know so far. Yep. So I'll get pouring wine, and then Joe, why don't you kick us off with the discussion? So we want to talk about some of our favorite things that have happened in North Carolina wine this year. That could be wines that we've tasted. It could be experiences that we've had. It could be events that we've attended. It could be winemakers we've met, um, or just folks that we've met in our ventures that we want to call out as people who have made an impact on us in the last year. So does anyone want to start with a a few of their favorite things in North Carolina wine for 2022? I'll start us. Go for it. So with our wine journey, I think the people have always been part of our favorite thing. Um, Even with the wine, right? You have to have the people in the wine. Absolutely. And so to be back in person for the wine conference and different wine events this year was really special. It was definitely one of our favorite things. And the, the people kind of have got us to where we are now with teaching our wine class through Davidson Davie Community College. We sat with a lady at a wine party who happened to be the continuing ed um, liaison at the community college. And her husband was like, 
get them to teach a class. And lo and behold, we're teaching a class now. So it's all about the people you meet along the wine journey. Mm -hmm. And your class involves trips to local wineries, yeah. which is really cool. So some of the what, what were some of the wineries you visited this year with the class? So the wineries are, they have to be in Davidson or Davie mm -hmm. counties. So um, Childress, Junius, Lindsay, Raylan, Old Home Place. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm missing one. Okay. Who said that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not leaving someone out. And one of the new ones for us this year was a tasting shop in Lexington. So that was a nice addition. Another new person to work with. Um, and then new to us, we finally got to visit uh, Kern Alexander, which we had not been to. And it's one of the oldest around in this area, for sure. Yeah. So we didn't have a class there. But yeah. Sounds like something to look forward to in 23 then. All right. I'll go next. So just to piggyback off of the conference, that the NC, the taste of NC was fantastic. The food and wine pairing experience there, they did a great job with that. So that's definitely one of my favorite things. But I did also really enjoy the 5K at Golden Road Vineyard. So we literally were walking and running through the vineyard. And it was, you know, there was wine at the end. So who doesn't love that, there you go. right? We'll, we'll run for wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but they had it wine themed. I mean, I'm sorry, they had it Halloween themed. And it was a haunted trail. And there were, you know, little folks that, and actors that jumped out at you or, you know, made it really, really fun and really, really cool. So um, definitely think that was one of my favorite things. And then last week we went to uh, Linville Falls. We go there. I take a group there every year um, and we cut our Christmas tree down. So we had like 40 people there last weekend and um, Jack brought out his 90 wine. So, you know, for his oh, wow. birthday, oh. he um, his new label is 90 and it's a really good wine. I really enjoyed it. So definitely one of my new favorite things on the list. Linville Falls is, is so cool to visit yeah, every really time is. of year, but I'm sure it's special in the holidays yes. with the Christmas, red mm -hmm. barn Christmas trees and, and that's her thing. So yeah, it's a really cool spot. So. It is, and it's family friendly, which I Absolutely. really love, right? Like there's tons of kids running around and, and you know, people are just hanging out all day. It's it's a really good experience if you haven't had a chance to visit it. And there's stuff to do besides wine. That's Hello, right. Linville Falls is right there. So you mm -hmm. can take a short little hike and, and enjoy that and then go enjoy wine afterwards. I would recommend doing it in that order. And as Delora yeah. mentioned, plenty of uh, trees for choose and cut. That's so right. that's awesome. Yeah. We always cut our tree and we all they, they bail it for you and tie it to your car and then you drive back to Charlotte and it's We've done this four years now. So funny story. And this is a side note. It may or may not make it in the episode. We're not sure. Funny story. When we were interviewing uh, Linda, Linda for the, the podcast, family. she was talking about choosing cut. Matt, in his poor hearing, thought she was saying cheese and cut. And we were, we were totally virtual, totally recording. This is during the pandemic when we <laughs> recorded it. Like, what the heck is cheese and cut? I don't know it in, so I don't even know. But then, like, then it clicked on me like... Choosing because oh. oh, yeah. he has been there and seen the tree, so I mean, you think so it would have more sense. Oh. Yeah, so all right, that's our yeah. fun little story. We've got this side of the table with favorite things. Arthur, Natalie, he wants to go next. All right, I'll jump in there because I'm going to piggyback off my buddy Delarn because I was very fortunate this year to share the program with her and. Mr. Goubert from Golden Road and lady from Virginia, her name escapes me. And so, Pendleton. Uh, to be on the program there and be a speaker was mm -hmm. huge Great for way. me. I mean, God only knows where that will end up, but I really appreciate that opportunity. Uh, I also kind of feel like it's had a ripple effect because what we, the experience we had at Shelton just a few weeks ago, that was over the top. And I, I sincerely hope more vineyards and wineries will follow suit. But I will always remember 2022 because the first time I was ever a speaker. I have to also throw in being very thankful for my friend Brianna Burns, who reached out to me and said, hey, I need a judge for North Carolina State Fair Wine, best of show. Will you sit in? Of course I will. Well, why would I not? And then I start looking at who is sitting across the 
Abel from here, Hank Schudemeyer from Angus Barn, and people who are Wisset 3, Wisset 4, Level 3 summon up going, I don't belong in here. <laughs> but I'm very happy to say it was an incredible experience. Shout out to Shadow Springs for that incredible petite very dope. And uh, our friends at Honey Girl Meadery for their best of show entry. But I actually pegged several vendors. I went, when I had Honey Girls, I said, oh, I know who this is. And sure enough, I was right. So that gave me a little credit. Yeah, if you taste enough wine, you get to be a part of that experience. You sometimes can figure out, um, obviously it's blind. Everything's blind. You don't figure, find out for sure until after the fact. I know what this one is. I just can't. <laughs> so Arthur thinks he knows the mystery. Oh, we'll talk about that after. I have, I have I have an idea of what it is as well. Yeah, and we have to tell our favorite things too. So, yes. So I wanted to say that um, I was also delighted to come back to the um, Wine Summit this year. And, and kudos to you guys for keeping it going virtually. I know that's hard. And I know we all got burned out on um, do, having to Zoom, but but I think because you kept it going virtually, there was still an audience there for it when it came back in person, and Absolutely. it was a great yeah. attendance. Um, and kudos to both of the presenters. I wanted to especially call out Arthur for um, addressing the issue of wineries, wineries working more closely with influencers, and as you mentioned, it's already seeming to pay off a little bit since we got a nice invitation to come up to Sheldon and do a food and wine pairing a few weeks ago. Um, I hope that others will take note of that and do the same. Um, and they did seem receptive to some of the things that we suggested that would be helpful to us in doing um, the work that we like to do. So um, the other thing that I think we have to call out is that this year um, was definitely much more a return to normal in the winery than what we've seen um, in 2021 and 2020. <laughs> and um, I just recently, I, I went with some friends to visit two wineries um, in the Triangle area, I won't name, but one of them was still doing tastings by the bottle and very, very still seemed very pandemic, um, you know, take your little bottles and go taste on the porch. And But another one was, you know, back to, we're going to take you on a tour, we're going through the whole facility, and we're going to bring you um, wine to taste at the end. So, you know, there's still, I think, varying degrees of um, coming back, and that will still take some time, but I, I think it's, we're much closer to the kind of experience that we all enjoyed for the pandemic and hopefully other people will come back too. I think if anything, the pandemic taught us how to be flexible. Yes. And, and kind of choose a model that works for you. Some yeah, people may yeah, never go yeah. back to the bar okay, tasting. Sure. Some people it's just more suitable for them to, you know, pour a little carafe and then, you know, have you go take it to a table and yes. they'll come by and talk to you about it. So I think it's cool how we see different things. Yeah. So Joe, what would you say our favorite things are? Well, I've got a pretty long list of things that but some of them have already been mentioned. Um, certainly the Digital Media Summit uh, that Arthur and Natalie were talking about, uh, I think that turned out, it far exceeded my expectations. We couldn't have done it without the sponsors that we got. Um, Shelton, Bannon Black, um, Surrey Community College, Hayes Gray, Hidden Vineyard. Uh, the, North Carolina Wine and Grape Council, yes, our biggest sponsor. Absolutely, and, and then the um, Go Yakin, or excuse me, Yakin Valley Tourism. Um, they were Partner. all partnership. They were all su such supporters of that event and helped us keep it at, a, at an affordable level. We were able to do it. Uh, that Sunday tour was amazing, mm -hmm. just amazing uh, between the food. And then, of course, Golden Road for hosting the dinner uh, afterwards. Um, you know, that was the first time they'd ever done anything like that. And I thought it was amazing. Never done it. You would never know it. So it was a good experience for them, great experience for us there on, on that side. Um, I also enjoy the differences that we continue to see between wineries. So you go to one winery and your experience is different from the next. I love that. I personally love that I can go to Dynamis for that high-end experience. And, and then I can go somewhere else that's 
the owners are in the in the tasting room. They maybe produce 500 cases a year. To me, that's what North Carolina wine is all about. It, and one of the things that it's still beneficial because our industry is so young here is we can still meet the owners. We can still meet the winemaker. You might run into them when you're there. Um, that's really cool. Um, sparkling wine. We're starting to see a lot more sparkling wine in North Carolina. Some of it's done traditional method. Some of it is as petulant natural. Uh, some of it is forced carbonated. It, I like all of them. So it's nice to have all these different options. You know, back in the day, it was kind of the big players. It was built more and Childress kind of leading the way. They had the capital to be able to do traditional method sparkling. They sometimes made it for other folks and some of them are still doing that. But we're starting to see more people branch out to that. Jones Vondrell is releasing their next sparkling. It will happen next weekend. We're recording this in early December. Um, you, you heard when we were at, at Shelton uh, a few weeks ago together, uh, they're starting a sparkling program there. They had a sparkling program back in the day. I think most of it was done at Biltmore. Um, but now they're restarting and going to do some of that on their own. So to me, that's really exciting. Um, you're seeing, you see a lot of sparkling in Virginia, and I always kind of look to see what Virginia is doing to see what's coming to North Carolina. And I think that is something that is super exciting because I love sparkling wine. Sparkling wine pairs with most anything you're going to eat. Um, and it's just fun. Everyone who doesn't love bubbles, you know, right? So, so those are some of my favorite things. Um, one thing I'll add on to that, I mean, just to kind of counter on, I know you all were at the Blogger Summit, that means a whole bunch, or the Digital Media Summit, that means a whole bunch to us. We definitely appreciate it. We are going to be coming back again next year for an in-person one as well. Yay. We're still trying to land the location. We're thinking it's going to be Hendersonville, so that'll be a lot of fun. But again, we're going to try to do more experiences, more excursions, bring more speakers to it to, to kind of really get people out there. But I think overall, I mean, the, my favorite thing for the whole year has just been gathering and enjoying wine, yeah. enjoying kind of a collective experience and the quality that we've seen this year versus years past. It just keeps on going up and up and it up. Really I mean, there are fewer bad bottles out there, mm -hmm. so it's a good thing. Yeah. So 19 in particular was a fantastic vintage across most of the state. Yeah. So you're starting to see those reds come out mm -hmm. now. We've already had the whites out for a while most of the time, uh, and they're phenomenal. And then... Yes, 20 and 21 were challenging because we had some of those late frost and freezes. Yeah. But when people got fruit in those years, it was pretty good. They might not have had very much of it, but what they got was pretty good. And then 2022 turned out to be, like, crop-wise, I think it was pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, like, tonnage of grapes and, and that sort of thing. So those wines should be coming out in the next few years. It'll be interesting to see what uh, is happening with that so that's exciting to me too is we, we've had some some challenges in 2021 but now it seems like we've had a pretty decent vintage with 22 so can't wait for those wines to come out mm -hmm. just yesterday we were at Rappaldine and the winemaker Chris Nelson said he'd never seen so much fruit <laughs> come out he had no idea what to do with it oh, wow. and then to enlighten us even more we did verticals 2019, 2020, 2021 for the Montepulciano and for the Sables. Yeah. And when you start factoring in rain yeah. and sun and when you harvest, all of the influences. It does. Yeah. So while we're talking about wine, let's talk about the mystery wine. Okay. So what do we think? Let's let's what are we what are we tasting? What are we smelling? What do we think it is? Very floral. Before we guess, let's just talk about I think I know what it is. I think You're I not gonna it. guess yet. <laughs> I think I know it. Well, I can it pick took me up a while. Can we pick up one thing though that we know about this wine? I, I get a lot of like tangerine. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Citrus for sure. Mm -hmm. Um I think I might know what it is, but I'll I'll wait. Any other comments about it? I have a white Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Peach. It has an interesting color, too. Yes. Either it's, it's dark, very light, either it's the grape, or it's spent some time. On your skin. You're getting warmer. <laughs> I feel like this I'm getting some like, light it. apple a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. a lot of apple. Green apple. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so this is, this is, in my mind, this is a skin-fermented wine, almost orange in, in nature. Mm -hmm. um, 
Orange wine, of course, is white wine that's fermented on the skins, not, not made from oranges necessarily. It might have orange undertones, and a lot of times orange wine does. Um, I believe this is, can I say what I think it is? Should we write it on a piece of paper? And, and I have not seen I have not seen I have not seen what it is, but I'm fairly certain. I went ahead and took this. He was uh, he was getting ready, and I'm like, okay, I have ten. Minutes. I'm fairly I'm certain I know what this is. I think I don't know the vintage, but I, I I do know what this is. I'm pretty sure. Do we want to guess before Joe guesses? Anyone else want to guess? I think it's Auvergne. You're right. I'm pretty sure. Did we say it's in North Carolina? It is in I had that limestone chalky in the back that was taking me toward Alvarino, but then I started <laughs> smelling it and it smelled. Well, like that's because it's a skin for me. Yes, and I didn't get So I could, I could go either way. And I was like, oh. Got it. Right. You know what it is now, right? Now I know exactly yeah. what it is. So this is Surrey Cellars. Ah! Skin fermented Alvarino mm. that we picked up when we were at the NC Wine Digital Media Summit. So, well done. Mm. And this is a fantastic mm. example yes. of what you can do. Yeah. The first one I ever had was yeah. from Sanctuary. And feel free to pour yourself a little bit more, too. To pass it the first one I ever had was from Sanctuary. And then I had Surrey Cellars and yeah, I would love to Both see. I would love to see more people plant Albarino. It seems to be doing pretty well here, um, and it's doing really well in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. So um, I would think that it would be something that would do sure. continue to do well here. So, well, Joe, you I think we may see more sparkling. Uh, I've had a couple of sparkling Albarinos lately out of Napa, and they were too darn. Oh yeah, absolutely. So now that we've guessed our mystery wine, we'll their go first ahead, mystery wine, we'll go ahead and take a quick little break for Jesse and Jessica to talk to us a little bit about the next topic. But we'll come back um, and then we'll pick up on the rest of our favorite things and then pour our second mystery wine. Yeah. It's time for wine classic. <laughs> It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back. Thanks for having us. So what are we going to discuss tonight as we wrap up our year? All right. So today we're going to dive into Brettanomyces, or Brett for short. Okay. I, I think I know Brett. All right. Yeah. A lot of people know Brett. <laughs> Maybe they don't um, know the, his name, though. Right. Um, so Brett is a strain of wild yeast, and it can be introduced naturally to wine in the cellar. Um, some wineries may choose not to prohibit its development, and it can be part of their house style, or you can take steps to prevent it. And so we'll kind of dig into that a little bit as we go on. Um, but if present, Brett, the wild yeast, can create byproducts in wine. And one of these byproducts is phenols. And we've talked about phenols a few times this year, but this is a group of chemical compounds that's similar to alcohols. And they're naturally occurring in a lot of things, including sesame seeds, peppers, even cannabis. And in wine... One of these phenols that Brett can produce can either add a lovely clove and bacony aroma, and another phenol can produce a very detestable or horsey aroma to wine. Mm. Um, so we'll dig into those different ones in a second. But I wanted to talk about the history of this term a little bit, which I found pretty fascinating. But the term Britannomyces actually comes from the Greek term for British fungus. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, it was first discovered in 1889. A Russian brewer was the first to isolate this in English beer and kind of pinpointed it as the distinctive uh, cause of that typical English lager beer taste. In 1899, later, a brewer at Guinness described two different types of secondary yeast that were found in Irish stout. But then it went on to become the first patented microorganism in history. So in 1903, Britannomyces was patented in the UK. Interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, so the first patented microorganism in history. <laughs> so. And its name is Brett. Yeah. <laughs> but so Brett in and of itself can have several subspecies and substrains. There's a distaste associated with Brett in the wine industry, but there are commercially available Bretts on the market that are used in beer making, uh, depending on different styles. So I talked about English lagers and, of course, um, Guinness, <clears throat> uh, but it's used in and desired in many kinds of beer and maybe even some wines like we'll talk about. But as I alluded to, there, there's a difference in the aromas between different species and the different sensory compounds that are present due to Brett and how they react 
Um, some of these might be kind of good. <laughs> some of these might be kind of bad, uh, depending on kind of where you fall. Um, but there are three sensory compounds. So there's one called 4-ethylphenol, or 4-EP for short. And this one gives hints of Band-Aids and barnyard, horse stable, antiseptic. <laughs> so imagine that. There's another one called 4-ethylguayacol. Okay, hold on. I even wrote down the phonetic transcription. 4-ethylguayacol. <laughs> There we go. Or 4EG for short. And this one's going to lend more tasty characteristics. Bacon, spice, cloves, smoke. Um, and then there's a third called isovaleric acid that uh, is going to lend a little bit more of the sweaty saddle, cheese, mm. or rancidity <laughs> to, your, to your wine. We'll talk about, we've, and we've mentioned everything in moderation. So the same kind of holds true with bread. I can definitely see that. For sure. Yeah. And the compounds that it then creates in the wine should be more specific. But yeah. So that's a little bit of the history and the science of Yeah. So moving on to kind of where it's found, you know, we've talked about all year, we've talked about primary, secondary, tertiary flavors. So this one would be a tertiary flavor because it kind of just happens, you know, it's not inherent in the grape. It doesn't happen from fermentation. This ambient yeast can be anywhere. It can be on the winemaking equipment and the barrels. So you know, it just kind of is a part of the wine post-production, if you will, after it's already, the grapes have turned into wine. But it can be very difficult to control, especially in older wineries. The best way to control the growth of Britannomyces is sulfur dioxide. This yeast strain is very sensitive to sulfur dioxide, so it will kill that. There's other sterilizing compounds that can be used that have a similar effect, but sulfur dioxide is the one that's most common in the wine industry um, and that's used for a variety of purposes. Also, the wine can be bottled after sterile filtration. And so sterile filtration is such a tight filtration that this yeast is too big to get through that filtration barrier. So it physically removes the yeast. Uh, the problem with sterile filtration is you can also lose some of your other aroma compounds and other characteristics of the wine that's desired. So sterile filtration is used in plenty of wineries, but it also is not used in plenty of wineries. It is a very optional uh, process. But if you know you have Britannomyces and you know you want it gone out of this wine before you bottle, you can sterile filter. Hmm. So you have to kind of make an early call about what you want to do, I guess. Huh? Yeah. So that's about it. There's there's not much else in the winery uh, to do with it except sulfur or sterile filtration. You know, as I mentioned, it, it kind of is more prevalent in older wineries because it lives in barrels and, you know, kind of some of that older stuff. It can just live in the winery itself on the walls, especially some of the older wood buildings. So we kind of see Britannomyces as this old world characteristic you kind of think of it sometimes when you're drinking wine from older wineries. So at least this one seems to be pretty easy to maybe identify and get rid of if needed. Yeah, for sure. And that lends to the kind of how it presents in wine and the different thresholds and if you even want to get rid of it. So we talked about the different compounds and if it's a good one or a bad one. So the 4EP and the 4EG, you know, the 4EP is bad. The 4EG is good. So just kind of seeing what you have with that the the 4eg which is the good one eg good <laughs> has a g in it <laughs> that one has a higher uh sensory threshold and so on their own these characteristics are attractive in the wine but unfortunately usually both compounds occur together and the the bad compound can be more aggressive, but if you just think about the aroma of like a Band-Aid, that's a very overpowering aroma. You don't need much of that smell to be able to pick out that scent. So that's kind of where it, it shifts to a fault. So it's more, you know, you have these two compounds and you don't typically see one without the other. I mean, you could, but it's more usually about the ratio of the 4EP and the 4EG affecting how you perceive that aroma interesting so now does it happen in you know certain wine types more than others i wonder i think it happens it happens across wine types but the wine type is important with where it's more acceptable okay. <laughs> uh, it's more acceptable in red wine in white wine it is very unacceptable because you don't really want the clove spice smoke bacon in a white wine so mm. 
even the good side of it is not necessarily what you want in a white wine. I think also with how the wines are produced too. So if you're doing a natural wine and not using sulfur, for example, it's going to make it more vulnerable to breath. So that can be a difference too. Yeah, for sure. And this is one of those aromas. I mean, I kind of liken it to, you know, the bell pepper aroma, the pyrazines we talked about, but some people have a higher threshold than others. So some people cannot tolerate it. They don't like it. It's a fault. If they smell it, it's bad. And others can tolerate it in higher levels. So it's it's very dependent on your perception of the aroma. And I guess a lot of that maybe has to do with how you grew up with it possibly too, right? So if you grew up kind of drinking more of those old world wines, you might be more accustomed to it where as if you have like a, a new world wine or something that's a little bit different, it might not be as prevalent. So you might be like, oh my gosh, there it is. Sure. For sure. And also like what other characteristics are present. So if it's a pretty nuanced, you know, a lot going on, a little Band-Aid can stand up to it. But if if it's just Band-Aid and nothing else, you know, it's not going to be as desirable. So it's kind of an interesting debate you can have in the wine world for sure. And everybody's perception and like Jesse said, thresholds are going to be different. What informs that drinking experience? Yep, definitely. It's definitely something I've found myself coming around to a little bit more. Like, I think initially in my wine drinking journey, <laughs> I would have been very put off um, by any threat or like hint of, of that barnyardiness. But I don't know, sometimes it can work. So let's talk about how to make it work a little bit more then. So how would yeah. we, if you, if you did encounter that or you're maybe, you know, you have a wine that, you know, might have some, how would you make the most of that? So definitely being called to these old world styles. So I was thinking with like the clove characteristics that might do well if you're feeling fancy for a Chateauneuf du Pop or Cote de Rhone. And that could stand up nicely against like a braised short rib, low cooked all day long in your oven mm. uh, with carrot and bay leaves and onion, you know, tomato paste, of course. But yeah, something like pretty hefty and meaty and fatty to stand up against that to that end, meaty and fatty. Uh, the bacon characteristics might not go nicely with more of a, well, I guess New World technically, but like Paso Robles or something from California, pairing with a nice steak or, of course, we're in North Carolina, like pulled pork barbecue sandwich even. So I don't know, kind of playing up those characteristics. Okay, I can see that. Kind of like, you know, highlighting the smoke, highlighting the meatiness and, and kind of really pairing it off of those things. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. What about you? What would you think? Anything else come to mind? Mm. Well, I would think lamb would work mm. or, or something like that. Um, kind of pairing the wild with the wild. Yeah. There you go. Like goes with like. And maybe mushrooms for the earthiness with the kind of barnyardy wildness. So. Yeah, you think of like kind of rustic, more yeah. hearty type of mm -hmm. foods if you're thinking mm -hmm. more, you know, old world style things. So ratatouille or something even yeah oh yeah yeah for sure definitely not like avocado toast or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> what wine would you pair with avocado toast bubbly uh, bubbly for uh, sure. bubbly yeah yeah rosé of course yeah rosé would go well too but yeah definitely like the opposite spectrum <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything about our friend brett that you need to let us know about that we haven't talked about yet there's a fungus among us. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Jesse Deska, thank you very much for this one. We definitely learned a little bit more about Brett. Um, and just reflecting back on the year, I think we've had some really good informative sessions for this wines class. So thank you very much for all the knowledge you've imparted on the aromas. And we look forward to next year. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. You can find out more information about the Winemouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at Winemouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. So we're back with everyone. Uh, and we're going to kind of focus now on maybe talking about some of our favorite wines, ciders, and meads maybe we've had across the state in the last year. Uh, who wants to go first? And as the discussion is going, I'll eventually come around and pour us our second mystery wine, the mystery red. 
Okay, I will get the ball rolling because, again, I was blown out of the water by the 2019 Patina and Shadow Springs, which was gold or double gold in the fair. I can't remember. It was double gold. It was double gold. Because it was best in show. Yeah, so we got to taste it against like 11 other wines, which were all, you, you just shuddered to think they actually came from the state. The 2019 Petit Verdot from Shadow Springs. I will never forget drinking that wine. Deep flavors of mm-hmm. plum and fruit and lots of tannins. It was incredible. I actually me. went there yesterday to get a bottle and hug the owners. <laughs> they were not there, but I did get a bottle. <laughs> well, and it's one that's probably going to age gracefully. Oh, yes. But I will drink it because it tastes so good. Well, you put, it's you hard put, put a, get a couple bottles so hard to age it. But uh, it was delicious. So what we do, Arthur, is we take all of the wine that we want to hold on to and we put it in a closet that we don't go into. Because then it's like out of sight, out of mind. Dark. Smart. Yeah. Maybe they get a Until you run out and then you're like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll hold on to it for you. Oh, wine is so We may charge a fee, but yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> Jesse knows if we're going to have wine that doesn't need to get drunk, it's got to stay at her house. Otherwise, my husband will get into it. Oh, Joey. <laughs> so many Shout wines. out to Joey. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I think our, for us, it's so hard for us to separate wine from experience, but we'll try. But so we had um, one of our classes at Charts Hill Vineyard. We did it a little different and just were out in the field at, at the vineyard, they sell grapes to a lot of different places in North Carolina, but um, Ken was talking to us about the vineyard, and he had pulled out a bottle of Merlot that he had from his vineyard. He had Mark make it um, at Childress, but it was a shiner. He had made just a special lot of Merlot from his vineyard, and it was amazing. It was a fire dinner wrap, but it, it turned out it was a really good year, and he had a ton of extra food, and so he asked Mark to make um, some shiners for him, but I think if you have any extras to sell, mm-hmm. like, our class was trying to buy it. We <laughs> can't sell this to you, but it was so good. Yeah, yeah, and just so special that he pulled it out for us and mm-hmm. like took this leap of faith because we happened to sit next to him at the wine growers conference in February, him and his wife. We sent this email just, hey, can we come sit in your yard? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> so this nice leap of faith, and then the fact that he hosted us. And then went above and beyond, and it's all blown away. And the wine was was really good. Bottle of Merlot speaks to the quality of the product that he's producing, and just the network and the community. And grape growers are such great people. Like if they are just the grower mm-hmm. and not like a producer, that's just a, such a different kind of perspective that they have. We've met a couple, and we've you know also talked with them. They go to the places who are buying their grapes and making the making the wine out of it. And it's just like, okay, that that connection is just mm-hmm. is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's we like the experience and the people, so it's kinda of all that wrapped in one with great wine. Yeah. I'll go next. So we have, of course, some big brands in North Carolina, fabulous wines, but there are a couple that I want to always make sure that I shout out because they do make incredible wines. So Sarah has a really good Multipulciano, and um, I really became familiar with that heading into my Italy trip. So that was like perfect timing, but right, exactly. (laughs) Really good Multipulciano. And then um, what was my other one? Slipped my mind. Oh, the, the Meritage at Shadow Springs. That also won an award, right? I think um, last year or sometime this year at one of the fairs, but such an incredible wine. I tasted it at the um, NC Wine Growers Conference last year and then went back to the to the uh, winery a few times to grab some bottles of that. So just super yummy, um, super fruit forward, just delicious, well done wine. They have a great team over there. They Chuck's do. got an incredible she, team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're doing some really cool stuff. They and, really are. Um, and getting awards all over yeah. the place and traveling across the country to accept them. And this is a really good, talented team of um, winemakers over there. Absolutely. Um, oh, I wanted to also talk about an experience. Um, Arthur actually went with me to um, Melanated Wine in Durham, which is an, a new, um, at that time she was less than a year 
open, I believe. Uh, LaShonda Modest has opened a small urban winery. Um, it's not in downtown Durham, but it's kind of on the edge of Durham. And we, our, our impression that night was she's already in a place that's way too small for her. <laughs> she had quite a crowd that night. Um, they were actually celebrating, kind of um, promoting the Blacktoberfest, which is mainly a celebration of um, black brewers. But I believe some of the winemakers were participating. Her wines are made by uh, Childress. Mm -hmm. And um, the one that I took home was a white sangria that was particularly so delicious good. for warm weather. Um, but I, I just want to shout out the urban wineries and, you know, with the advent of the new social uh, districts that we've seen across North Carolina, where you can actually take your drink out right. on the street. I'm just wondering um, if urban wineries might take advantage of that and try to move into that space or if maybe rural wineries will want to open a tasting room in a social district. So that could be something to look yeah, out for. And that's probably a great opportunity yeah. from someone to do. I think so. LaShonda is doing some incredible things, breaking down barriers to wine. What is that's so, awesome. what is really so is. everyday and casual to us is very intimidating yeah, to a lot be. of people. And she is really bridging the gap to uneducated people, novice people. Yeah. And my goodness, she's doing sipping, pour, sipping, paint, karaoke sipping nights. Up, she's karaoke, always live music. Yeah. She, I, I agree with you that she needs a bigger space. Yes, she does. <laughs> that was our, our big impression for that night. She was packed to the gills. And, and that was a Thursday, I think. That was a Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah. I haven't been yet, but uh, the story they're telling on Instagram is amazing. I mean, I'm just seeing all the time. They've got some great events. You and go out selling out. Yeah. <laughs> I do need to get there. Um, Melanie. Sounds like it's time for a group trip. Yeah. Yes. Always recommend it. Yes. So for us, Joe, there's, we've had a lot, oh my of, a lot of good wine this year. I mean, as anyone who follows us knows, our, our, our model is take a picture of the wine with our cat in the background and talk about it. It's correct. <laughs> Um, one that stands out to me as a recent one, the uh, the Tanat actually that came out of Surrey oh, Cellars. Yeah, wow. um, we actually had that about a week before the symposium that they did there, and it was just amazing. I mean, to think that it's a student-run mm -hmm. winery, everything that you do there is student-driven. So they had every influence on the wine from how it's made, how it's grown, how it's produced. Um, it was it was incredible. Arthur, you talked about like depth and you talked about like different characters of fruit. They said all of that. It was it was amazing. It was just a very small production. I don't know if they entered it in the state fair, but Yeah, I mean if you took that wine and you gave it to someone who poo-poos North Carolina wine, you didn't tell them what it was. They'd think it was from mm -hmm. California or Uruguay or you know. It it's just so tannic, so dark, so inky. And I believe it was a 19. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so again, to reinforce 19, if you're seeing 19 reds, get 19 reds. Um, by the case. Yeah. So, yeah. While it's still there. So for me, gosh, there's so many that, that come to mind. Um, one in the mead category, uh, we were at Starlight recently, and they actually have a pork-style mead. So it's mead that they, I believe it has blueberry mm -hmm. and blackberry and something, and it's fortified. Uh, we're all going to get to taste it uh, with, when we have our dessert here. We're all having food today, everyone. So to, just, you know, it's really very cool. But it's it tastes like port. It's just amazing. It's like, oh, my God, this is mead, really? Um, it's called Ebling Reserve. It's phenomenal. Uh, a lot of the barrel-aged uh, meads that Diane's doing at Honey Girl stick out, particularly the barrel-aged Sizer, which she barrel-ages in Mystic Bourbon Barrels from Durham. So she's doing some really cool stuff. Um, sparkling wine, the Vino Lucia from Piccioni, uh, which did win the Ma so Our State um, Magazine Best Beverage, I believe, back in 2021. Um, there's still producing different lots of that same vintage. Uh, and I believe there'll be some additional ones. It's made by Childers um, from Pachoni's Fruit. It's phenomenal. Um, and it's drinking really well right now. We started with that today. Um, for me, 
Deep Man Sang from Jones Von Drell is always a perennial favorite along with their Cab Franc. Um, and one thing I'll add on early in the, in the springtime, kind of when they were releasing some of the 221 whites that came out, um, there were some really good Chardonnays, like stainless or barrel Chardonnays that came out early on. One that I thought was really good was actually Hanover Parks, the uh, oh, stainless yes. steel 21 yes. that came out. And I'm just like, Michael, this is a fantastic wine. You would never have imagined like the crisp, vibrant, bright acidity that you would get. It's just like, okay, this is this is what North Carolina wine can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some other ones that stick out. I'm trying to trying to move to different regions, but Over Mountain uh, Vineyards. I can't say good enough things about them. They are producing some of the most quality wines in the state. And we did a tasting back, I guess it was in the summer, late summer. Mm-hmm. And every single wine was amazing. And, but the one that kind of sticks out, they do a Petit Man saying it's called Epic. It's, it's phenomenal. But the one that always sticks out, and you're probably gonna laugh when I say this, it's their Pinot Grigio. It is the most full-bodied Pinot Grigio I've ever had in my life. The fruit is so ripe. It was a 21, I believe. Um, and then some of the reds right now, they've got 19 reds, uh, the Revolutionary Red, and I believe they've just uh, released again another uh, Petit Verdot from 2019. They're just doing really cool things. It's reservation only. So during the pandemic, they they moved to that model, which, is, which works for them. Um, and I love that. Um, I love that it's a more intimate experience when you go. So shout out to Sophia and Frank. And Lita. Um, and Lita at and the rest Over of Mountain. Um, they're doing some really cool things. And, and that whole area, Parker Bins, Mountain Brook. Um, you know, Parker Bins, they have a wine out that they've done some Impossimento. It's called The Watchman. I believe it's very limited quantities. Uh, you have to buy it at the winery. Um, but that one is just rich and dark and just a fantastic expression of North Carolina wine. I, again, I think that's a 19, if I'm remembering cor- correctly. Um, and then... Botanists and Barrels doing some really cool things with cider and, and some of their paquettes and, pet and that sort of pet nats and, and same with Nico at Sardust um, Cellars. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things. And, and Cypress Bend and with their Muscadine wines. I mean, personally, red Muscadine is not my favorite thing, but I tasted one Tina brought to the Digital Media Summit and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So... <laughs> Um, they're doing some really cool stuff too, and there's a lot of really good muscadine producers in the state as well. But Cypress Bend always sticks out to me. So while we're talking about wine, let's talk about the mystery wine that's in our glass. Mm-hmm. I think I know what it is. That's interesting. Do you know they what it are, is? Aren't they? <laughs> um, I'm I getting some green peppers, but I feel like there's something in the cab family. Okay. So See, I get more red pepper. But okay. I think you're I think you're on to something. Okay. Interesting. I think I know what it is. I'm definitely leaning towards like the Bordeaux varietals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Maybe very some interesting. Tobacco. Definitely yeah. cherry. Just to reiterate, it is a North Carolina wine that Joe has no idea because I did But I think wine. I know what it is because today is a special day as we're recording this. So. It is, but it's yeah. it's not that. No. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Curveball for you. <laughs> Surely you wouldn't have given us a red blend. No, I this is... Okay. <laughs> right? He right? Would have. No, I would have. Because now that's narrow. That is narrow. Yeah. I just was there. Wrong answer. That is a good call. So there, there might technically be other reds in here because, of course, you know, right. labeled as a single varietal, yeah. they could have a certain amount. But this one is labeled as a single variety. I'm going to go with a straight path. Uh, me yeah. too. Me too. I'm going careful. You're going to have drunk. Okay. Oh, hey. I feel like See, I was thinking Cab Franc too, but now Matt's hints have me worried that I'm wrong about that. So. I don't get enough bell pepper. Yeah. Yeah, but if it's really right, you don't get the bell pepper, you get red pepper. Yeah. Look around the hedge, the more difference you see, the younger it is. I'm thinking young Cab Franc. Do we even grow cabs? Yeah, we do. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's a really good one at Lynn. Joe, Falls. I'm sorry, but I got to throw a couple of more ones because uh, Delorean was talking about the smaller mm-hmm. operations, and one of the best wines I had this year was the Farm in Dover. Oh, I had yeah. the Cyril's Blend. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just floated yeah. away and floating over. And the, the Villard Blanc there. Oh, the, yeah. the Cyril's Blend was incredible. 
And again, we were alluding to the sparkling programs in the state. I have to shout out the emergency blow from uh, Golden Road that mm. they did with Travis. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That was good amazing. That's that incredible. So uh, what is this? So <laughs> we, we, we talked about red pepper, we talked about green pepper and tyrosines. There there might be a little bit on here. I don't I'm I don't get any green I'm getting the baking Then spice. maybe it's Merlot. Ah, I think you might be on to something. I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's Cap. Is this Jones Montreal? It is Jones Montreal's twenty fifteen. I knew it was Jones Montreal. I was thinking originally it was the Cap Front. Yep, but Good job. Oh, but I love how we dissected it and broke it apart because we all had different avenues we could go down. So it was interesting you picked out the Bordeaux kind of style because, Mm -hmm. like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, okay, she's in the way ballpark. She's got that (laughs) one. One out of five. The pepper wasn't like in your face, but it was there. And it will become more pronounced as it gets older, right? And but as Joe was mentioning, the Cap Franc would have been a good pick today. Because it's Cap Franc Today yeah. is Cap oh. Franc Day. Oh. Cheers to that. Oh, this is older, too. It's had yeah, some it's really bright acidity, too. Fif- yeah. 15, is it 15? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 15 was a great year, and, you know, it's doing well. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still got several yeah. years to go. Yeah. Several years to go. As Jessica pours herself some more. That is okay. <laughs> I mean, it was inevitable. It, it was. was. Yes. It was. So this what do we want to wrap up our conversations with? We've been we've been going on so a lot about maybe our... maybe let's talk about well what are you looking forward to in twenty twenty three perfect I'll get that ball rolling go for it I have a big announcement to make <gasps> oh okay I am registered with the court of master sommelier <gasps> oh. I will take the level That's one amazing. sommelier exam in April. Awesome. So I'm studying and prepping. Arthur, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so shouldn't you excited. so if you're studying, shouldn't you be spitting the wine out? I'm not good at it. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm trying it. I went on YouTube. You I watch you know five videos. Please, God, help me. When I'm doing it, it's you gotta all have the cup over up here. me. Yeah, the red solo yeah. cup. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness at Angus Barn when we did Best of Show. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I thought it was a shot. <laughs> but I'm not, but the, I want to learn how to do it like that. You make that blend. Oh, yeah, but I'm very excited. And I have to tell you guys, I could have done Wissit. I could have done CSW. There's a lot of different yeah, avenues you absolutely. can go down. But my roots, or my root, my roots yes. came back. I was a waiter. I was the head waiter of two restaurants. One French table side, one uh, uh, five diamond. Um, that's part of me. Yeah. And the fact that I have made wine and understand malolactic fermentation and carbonic maceration, it really helps. So now I'm just trying to learn the regions of Bordeaux and the regions of Burgundy and what grapes are grown there. But in 2023, Oh, well, that's awesome. Oh, Good luck. That's so Let us know if we can help you with studying. <laughs> yeah, please. We need to do more of these. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right here. And field trips. Yes. And river cruises. <laughs> and spit, spit, uh, spit testing. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Practice. Maybe we start with water first. And then... <laughs> yeah, outside. Yeah. Touche, man. I look forward to the conference. So the Digital uh, Media Summit Conference, again, um, I attended virtually two years prior um, in the pandemic, and coming to experience it in person and being a speaker was incredible. It was a wonderful experience, just like you had said, um, Arthur. I hadn't spoke, not in this capacity and not a, truly not about wine um, as a, I mean, I do wine workshops all the time, but you know, like actually presenting a presentation and it was a great experience and I can really only see like what, what else is going to come out of that. I really think it was like an elevated experience. The presenters were all fantastic. Um, and so I'm really excited to see. And let's not forget what you spoke on. Yeah. Because that is important. You spoke on inclusion uh-huh. and diversity. And leveraging and, and, your and, network. And that is where yeah. 
the wine industry is going as Absolutely. And it's so important. I think, you know, for us to all even be here today is a beautiful thing in terms of diversity, in terms of just diversity of thought, diversity of contribution. It's, it's experience. Exactly. It's all very important. And I think that having those types of um, engagements and activities um, really just enlightens all of us. Right. And and I will say same thing that you said, Arthur, I was able I think I gained like a new level of credibility after that. You know, I, I think people like kind of knew who I was, but then they were like, oh, like we didn't really know what she did. And and to kind of to be able to share that with everyone was was fantastic. And so I've seen since then the type of um, experiences these wineries are creating for bloggers and influencers to come out and and um, and help partner and collaborate. And there's a lot of that going on, and I just really see that thriving and flourishing in the new year. Awesome, great. Anyone else? Well, this week I'll be going to Asheville for the Taste of North Carolina. I look forward to that. I've only done it once at a conference at the Wine Growers Conference many years ago. Um, but I think the fun thing about the wine industry is you never know what's coming. You know, you'll get a call and something really interesting will come up. So I look forward to seeing the wine industry in North Carolina grow and what new experiences are out there for us. Awesome. Mine's much more personal and selfish for a little bit. <laughs> Let's about this, but I'm looking forward to spending more time at wineries with Jesse and my kids and our kids school and our kids together. Like we got the opportunity finally to go somewhere and take our kids and hang out and like let them run free mm -hmm. and we drink wine and watch them. But it was really nice and like mm -hmm. you guys have just moved up closer to us too. So I look forward to the wine days together. I love what you said about bringing your kids. Like, it's okay to normalize the wine experience for children. You know, my kids, my daughter is four, five now, and she always asks, are we going to Vineyard? And they know, like, Uncle Chuck and, <laughs> you know, Auntie Melissa and Christian. And, like, they are getting to know these winemakers. And I think that it's okay to normalize that for kids and let them run around. And, and, and it's really okay. They welcome it. And so We're don't be a that's right. Yeah. yeah. And and to like normalize, I think, wine, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, wine, can, it can be abused, but a lot of times it's not. And I think what I love about wine is it brings people together. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot to talk about with wine and your kids can learn to be around that kind of social interaction and making it. It's not a bad thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And you could inspire the next future generation. That's of right. Mm -hmm. Right. I've always said of Congress, we just had one glass of <laughs> Before they go into session, yeah. they would get a whole lot more. A big lesson. <laughs> uh, you have to admit the future is very bright for North Carolina wine. As we discussed, you have new uh, fermentation methods, as we talked about concrete, uh, as opposed to stainless or barrel. You have sparkling programs being promoted all across uh, uh, the state. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I was at Raffaldini, and it was very good to see him excited about releasing a wine. He's going to release the Patrimonio, which he is calling his legacy wine. And when the man puts his father's picture on the bottle, you know he's going to take it really serious. Mm -hmm. uh, next month, we have a blind tasting at Raffaldini. Patrimonio, he threw out Opus, and everybody perked mm. up. I think there will be some silver oak in there. He's Just like the pork tasting he did, which we tasted from all around the world, I think he's he's trying to put something in there. And, you know, you got to throw in Dynamis' Estate Mountain Red. That's one of the best wines I've ever had. The, the future is, is bright for North. I agree. Jolo's got some great wine too. Went there for my birthday Lord for the first time this year yes. and had some incredible wine and food. Their menu yeah. is to die for. And I love that they have their little igloo. So if you go in the winter and the mm. cold, it's warm in there and it's, but it's still outside and you can have your food and wine and it's just a really good experience. Well, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. So Dora, what are you looking forward to in 2023? I'm looking forward to more wine, more adventures, 
the Digital Media Summit, uh, the Wine Growers Conference, um, but looking forward probably to some of those 19s and 20 and 21 reds finally coming out and then more sparkling, more sparkling. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to some of the older vintages kind of turning another year and seeing what that does. We hold back a lot of wine. I remember 14 was a really good year. and I'm still surprised at what 14 can do almost, you know, eight years on. So like, okay. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to another year of Cork Talk. It'll be our fifth season. So we're excited about that. And, you know, we're already planning episodes and we're thinking about what the next step is for that one. So, And we're thankful for all of you here to help us conclude season five. Yes. So Natalie, Arthur, Jesse, Jessica, DeLorean, Joe. Happy you. holidays. Happy Cheers. Holidays. Cheers. Cheers. Bring it in. You guys jingle your bell. Jingle your bell. <laughs> that's it for this episode of cork talk we want to give a special thank you to our friends deloren jesse jessica arthur and natalie for joining us for this special episode it was a lot of fun to record and everyone had a great time this episode wraps up season four we're looking forward to next year when we bring you season five of cork talk if you like this episode be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how to improve. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NC Winecast. Until next time, and remember, the cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Happy holidays! Cork Talk is a Freeman LLC production. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.